Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, April 5th. We will be chatting about movies from Friday, April 8th through Thursday, April 14th. And we're back in Zoomland for this podcast because, hilarious story, I got the COVID. <laughs> really funny stuff. Hilarious. On a sliding scale of horrible, I'm not sick at all. And for those of you who go to the Mayfair, don't worry. It kind of happened in between visits to the Mayfair. So everyone in Mayfair land is fine. Nothing got spread over there. It happened thanks to my first birthday dinner since pre-COVID. That makes it even more sad that <laughs> it was birthday COVID. No celebrating for you ever. And so, you know, abundance of caution and all that stuff. Gwen and I are just in lockdown for a few days. I'm feeling 98%, no exaggeration, better than I did on day one of this. It didn't hit me the way it has some people, and especially pre-vaccines two years ago, all that kind of stuff. So I'm lucky because of that, at least. But it still is so angering. Like, I kind of felt like I lost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, I tried so hard. And now this is your Michael Jordan flu game where he played sick, and now you're doing a podcast sick. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're all impressed, Josh. I don't get sick normally. Even when I get sick, it's my throat is 10% scratchy, and I've got the sniffles. And that's kind of where I was at now. I have friends and acquaintances who over the years, God, it's so crazy to say that over the years, got hit really hard with it. One friendly acquaintance of mine down in New York, who's a podcast guy, he got it and he's a big strapping guy, like a big healthy guy. And he was saying that it knocked him the hell out. He felt like he was on his deathbed. I never had any of that, but you know, we're just hiding inside and quarantining and in a couple more days, we'll be all good. My test of it, my rapid test, was hilarious because it was actually so light. The line on the little thingy was so light mm -hmm. that Gwen looked at hers and went, oh, no, I got it, but you're okay. And then <laughs> a couple hours later, she happened to bring it into the kitchen, and she was like, oh, no, wait, you have it too. <laughs> and so oh, hooray! <laughs> it was a horrible turn of events even in that. I thought I was okay. Yeah, and I tested, well, so actually funny story about that, about wives and COVID and you, <laughs> basically, so I had, you had told me about that. And so also someone, well, there's been several people at my work that have been getting it, but it's 10 floors or whatever. So it's not, not all on our floor, but there was a guy in my section who caught it and I had talked to him for literally five minutes with a mask on. There was really almost no chance. But anyway, you know, then you told me about your thing and I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll on Monday I'll test, you know, and see just to, to be a good guy, you know, keep an eye on things. So each of us had a rapid test. Mine aren't at hand. I'm not really sure where they are, but she found hers. We were going to do it Sunday night. But she's like, well, we'll wait till Monday morning and it'll be the last thing we do. You know, it's closer to the day, whatever. And so I don't know what the miscommunication was, but I'm lying in bed. I get up. She's still there. And I was like, oh, perfect time for the rapid test. She's like, oh, right. So she goes and gets it. And I'm still lying in bed because I'm just like, well, she's going to, I'll have to hit my, put my head back. Right. I might as well just stay in bed. It's not helping anyone. And then it's just taking us a while. It's five minutes, 10 minutes. I'm sort of like, what's going on? Because I'm like not getting ready for work and I'm kind of losing time. And she yells up and she's like, oh, okay, it looks negative. So we're okay. And I was like, wait, you took the test? <laughs> and so I was like, but I, but Josh and like coworker. And she's like, well, yeah, but like if, you know, we've been together. So it's like, if I have it, you have it kind of. I was like, are you trolling me? Like, is this a bit? <laughs> like, I honestly thought she was going to come up with the test in a few minutes. And so I still don't know. There was this awkward unrest between us and i was like it's fine and she's right you know yeah like we would both have it 
but I just was so taken aback because I was like racking my brain like what in what I said in the last 24 hours led her to believe that I was like I'm a little nervous about me you take a test <laughs> so anyway we so we don't have it it would seem but yeah that I was just like only if I would get in these weird situations she totally threw you under the bus she was like I just oh my god she's like what don't you have your test and I was like well somewhere but I thought like you had it so I figured it was I just I don't know the good thing nowadays is that they're just giving them out like Halloween candy. You can just mm-hmm. walk into a shopper's and get it no problem, where it seems like not too long ago it was it was like Hunger Games to try to get these things. Yeah, well, it's because nobody really wants to be tested anymore, it feels like. It was the whole thing that started two years ago, where they were just like, oh, the numbers are so low because we're not testing anyone. <laughs> you know? So it's like, if I don't take the test, I'll never get it. Well, that's the thing, too. The numbers must be staggeringly higher than what we think they are mm-hmm. because we didn't report to anybody we just did it ourselves and went oh we got it we're gonna hide but we didn't call a 1-800 number and register ourselves or anything like that so yeah the numbers must be 10 times what we think they are that's kind of what they've been saying the rule of thumb is whatever numbers they say it's 10 times as bad which is i don't know like to me at this point they're just numbers like it's all terrible and there's nothing more i personally can do than i'm doing right now Well, that was the biggest whatever stages of grief that I went through was like denial and anger and acceptance kind of thing, because (laughs) it really was. It just felt like I failed. Like, oh, I've tried so hard. And then you let your guard down for a second when the powers that be tell you that go ahead. It's okay. And what's horribly fascinating is to see how it spreads, because this was a birthday dinner with everybody who was healthy and vaccinated and all that stuff. But it was like Gwen, her parents my uncle and my mom, not together for that long, you know, together for a couple hours over dinner. Mm-hmm. And her poor dad, that's where it started. He was the first one to show signs. And, and you don't know, he could have got it genuinely walking down the street. You know, yeah. like somebody coughed in the air and he walked by 10 seconds later and you don't know. <laughs> and so he showed signs first. The next morning, kind of like from the spare room, we hear Josh, Gwen, and I didn't think anything. And then it clicked in. I'm like, oh, no. And then he had it. And then it just went from there. Before my mom started showing signs, she went to visit her friends in the country, gave it to all of them. Jeez. So she ended up staying there. And just as we speak, she's still there just kind of hanging out and being quarantined with friends for the week. That's the crazy thing. Like, So this is a lighter strain, I guess. But it's fierce. It just goes. Yeah. So I think this is the, we're all going to get it, but the only silver lining is that for us healthy folks, we're going to be okay. But you still got to be careful because like I have a couple of people in my life who are, what's the term, high risk or or like, I don't want to see them casually and just by mistake, give it to them, you know? So Mm -hmm. you still got to kind of follow all these rules. And so I'm really at the point where it's it's not what certain right wingers want to hear, but I'm like, oh, got to wear a mask forever. I don't care. Good. (laughs) I'm fine. Yeah, I'm still like, I don't know. I, it's We're still wearing masks everywhere and I people have not been jerks about it at least, but it is still kind of jarring seeing we were at the grocery store and, the you know, I, I wasn't honestly really paying attention because it just is what it is at this point. So some people have them, some don't, but we got to the cashier and she didn't have one. And it just sort of was a bit jarring. Like, not that I'm not making personal choices for other people or you know, I'm not the boss of anyone, but I just felt kind of weird in the moment because i'm just like yeah like you're being she's being exposed to so many people in a row constantly you would think she'd want to wear a mask i don't know but it's none of my business really 
it's weird. It's it's almost akin to I don't know what year this would have been. Would this have been in like the early eighties when hockey went from there were all lunatics and nobody wore any safety equipment and nobody wore yeah. masks, nobody <laughs> wore helmets, any kind of thing. And then there was that generational shift where all the players wore helmets and all the goalies wore fancy masks. And there was a few old timers who didn't wear masks, either goalies who didn't wear face masks or players who didn't wear helmets. And you just looked at them and it'd be this like 40 year old guy skating around with a bunch of 20 year olds. And he's the only one without a helmet. And it's kind of just like, you're just asking for it. You're just asking to get a puck in the head. And (laughs) if your teammate gets a puck in the head, it's not going to hurt as much because he's got a helmet on. And that's kind of where we're at now. If you get a COVID in the face, it's uh, your fault. You're not wearing your mask. It's been interesting. Like at work, the building itself is like a private building. And so they, like on the ground floor, it's recommended you wear a mask. But like in our actual section, you know, which is, government mandates probably not the word but you know run they still want you to wear a mask but i'm not sure if that's official policy or like the whole thing is a bit weird and people are just kind of tired of it especially at their specific desks people are just sort of getting real lax and just sort of one earring it gets like dangling (laughs) from your face it's like not even really anything and i get it there's a lot of people are just frustrated especially at this point you know and so i'm not i just i don't debate anymore like i'm not doing that i'm just sort of like like you know if you're gonna go on a rant about how we should get to do this or that i'm like okay like i'm this i'm not i don't have the energy anymore you know that's my stance with politics or any and it's sad that this is under politics but my whole life i can't imagine of ever being on a debate club in high school or going online and yelling at a Zack snyder fan like i just don't (laughs) care i just fine do your thing yeah i've got it's i've been uh, beaten down by the last two years basically because i used to be a lot more and especially during the convoy and stuff it was really hard not to reply to people who don't live anywhere near here being like i have an opinion on this i mean like well you can you know get the hell out of here also but after that i think that kind of was the last straw i just got just defeated basically and i was like i have to look after my own mental health yeah i thought our whatchamacallit google star rating would go down significantly but it didn't. It stayed average. And I think it's funny because we got these weird trolls and kind of threats and everything. And, and these really kind of interesting, if you pretend you're an outside observer, but people trolling with real specific, we're going to go to the Mayfair and protest. And so you think, oh, no, there's going to be a protest coming. And nothing happened because that's some dude in Calgary just going online and making it look like he's going to do that just mm-hmm. to kind of be a jerk and scare you or whatever so that was kind of interesting to see that but then also our candy bar person sarah noticed a couple of just horrible one-star reviews and she happened to go wow who is this person and she looked at their history i guess their review history and it's nothing but one-star reviews for various random businesses all over north america so it's just somebody spending all their free time like their hobby instead of making lego or playing video games or having a garden is just giving one-star reviews to people who are on the other side of the political aisle than they are and going like, your cupcake shop in California or your shoe store in New York, just whatever. And that's all they do. One star, one star, one star. But we didn't get hit because I think we got so many five stars that it kind of countered it. But we hover at 4.7 still. That used to be like 4.9, but the red pill people got us for a bit. Yeah. 4.7 that's good that's fine 
I still have a problem like that with my Uber score, which is really <laughs> good, but it's like a four seven or something. And I'm just like, I've always been nice and I always tip like I, I don't understand. And it's only been all I can speculate is because there's been certain times where you just you don't want to talk. I'm just like, I'm getting a ride like I'm paying you. Like, I'm just not feeling it right now. And, and I feel so guilty. And that's all I can figure. I'm just like, were they mad that I didn't chat? And so they literally <laughs> gave me not five stars. That's like an eBay person giving you not five stars when I was like, I gave you the money. Like, what more do I have to do? Well, that's like, as much as I dislike the traditional Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down, I enjoy Ebert's more in-depth reviews where he gives it an actual four-star review. I never like thumbs up, thumbs down because it just, it means every single movie ever made is either bad or good. Mm -hmm. If you happen to like Police Academy and give it a thumbs up, you're also giving Citizen Kane a thumbs up. It's weird. Or some movie that's not the worst movie ever and you give it a thumbs down, but that also means it's on the same boat as The Room. Yeah. Online reviews are the same way, or these Uber reviews. It should really be 50-50. It should really be like or dislike. Because you listen to a podcast, and they always say, go give us a five-star review. When honestly, five stars is supposed to be spectacular, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a classic yeah. like masterpiece of a thing. So we got a review online that was very fair, said something like, I love this old cinema and it has such a friendly staff and I had a really good time going to watch a James Bond movie there. Four out of five. And that's fair because five stars should be, and then they just brought me a pizza and and then they <laughs> comped my ticket and- VHS uh, tapes <laughs> for free. They gave me a box of VHS tapes when I left. <laughs> and that seems fair. Like getting a four-star review should be like, oh, that's really great. And even a three-star review is supposed to be like, Went to the Mayfair, had a good time, liked the movie, three stars. But really, we're in a world where a four-star review feels like a two-star review. It feels like, what did we do wrong? But yeah, <laughs> five stars is supposed to be, like, every movie shouldn't be five stars. Five stars should be, like, a handful of movies. Technically, it should be, like, the Oscar movies, but that never works out. No. But yeah, so that's the weird thing. I think it really should be, like, a good or bad, because everything now is one star or five star and people do that too like oh they delivered a coke instead of a diet coke with my pizza delivery one star and i'm like well they didn't punch in the face they just by mistake grabbed the wrong bottle of soda pop for you you know yeah these things happen you know like yeah 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 so i always think that i'm like it's weird to ask for five stars all the time but that's really where we're at yeah it, it feels a little desperate but also yeah like it also sounds like the person who's spare some change spare five dollars and you're like whoa what what just jumped there like i'm not i don't have five like i i remember that happened to me like there was a guy outside of quiznos and i was walking by with a subway sub just randomly and he would be like spare a loony like he would pronounce it that way that's how I, like i'd seen him many times throughout my life it was kind of but he was like spare a loony buy me a meal from quiznos like that was the one he went one to the other, and I was like, I, I can't even afford that. Like I got a <laughs> subway sub here. Like I just remember, like I respect the audacity, but I'm just like, dude, I'm not balling with my six inch sub. Okay, so it's weird because we're talking over Zoom, so we kind of got to keep track of the time. We're not going to get kicked off. And what's happened before is we talked for like 90 minutes, and then we realized that there's no time limit when there's two people talking on Zoom. So let us get in talking about the movies that we have upcoming from. Friday, April 8th through Thursday, the 14th. Again, just hovering around that Friday the 13th. So close. So close. And yet so far. As note, I have already reminded Lee to book Friday 13th 
part four, the final chapter for next month. And also the Nick Cage movie as well, of course. And the Nick Cage, well, yeah, I figure you're just kind of <laughs> texting him at once an hour or so, sending him like reviews and, and, and posters. and Only half because I want the poster for myself, but also because I want us to get the movie. But uh, yeah, so a Friday the 13th is upcoming. So this week we have, we kick off our Ukrainian Film Fest. This was an idea that Lee came up with to see if there was one if there was stuff available and if we could put together a little film fest and try to get Mm -hmm. some funds raised so i always got to word this right but all net proceeds are being donated to a group as picked by the ukrainian embassy it has a very long title but you can find it on our website and basically it's just a very simple donation outlet where the money just goes right to the people just very simple and some of the money as you come to see the movie that night, we'll go to them, but very easy for you to go check out our website if you want to send them an extra couple bucks. And on opening night of the guide on Friday, the ambassador from the Ukraine is actually going to come and oh wow introduce the film. So kind of a big shot thing. It's a celebration of the Ukrainian film industry, but it's nice to just kind of participate in some way. That's the thing I really like about the Mayfair is that we're not going to change the world by doing this, but it is neat to get four Ukrainian films up on our screen in a month to get the Ukrainian Embassy of Canada involved to raise a couple dollars for them and be able to send that their way. So it's a nice world community thing we can do during this terrible time. So, mm-hmm. And the guide is a, a 1930s story of a boy and a blind man thrown together in the 1930s in the Ukraine. So it's a drama from 2014 that I had a hard time pulling up information on it. It kind of reminded me of it's a small world yet a big world because a lot of the reviews were not in English (laughs) but it was the 2014 pick for submission to the Oscars for best foreign film from the Ukraine and has won a few awards and been in a few film festivals so that will kick off our Ukrainian film fest and then keep an eye out and we have three more films that we'll talk about in the weeks to come it sounds like lone wolf and cub but without samurai fighting yeah i think it might be something like that like it's i said too like you don't want to make light of it but you see some of these films and you can kind of get a sense of like oh yeah the ukraine's going through some stuff for the last few years because they're kind of uh like you know darker dramas but yeah also just what was kind of available like there's often a misconception that a a cinema can just get anything and you Mm -hmm. can't you got to kind of find stuff in distribution so i think the embassy helped us with that and we reached out to some of our distributor sources and they helped out track some stuff down because it's not as you would imagine not something that is flying off the shelves normally but something that's very interesting to get to see on the big screen is it all newer stuff like last 20 years kind of thing or i believe this one's 2014 the one called the tribe which we actually screened before within the last 10 years or so And then two other films that are, I think, like 2020 or so. So two, like, pretty much new films and and the other two within the last few years. So, yeah, not uh, we're not showing something from, like, the 70s or 80s. So it's all somewhat recent stuff within the past uh, decade or so. Nice. There you go. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Then to mention a couple of the rentals, then I'll get into our stuff. We have one film called Moving Day. It's a documentary from Vancouver about how homeless people were affected during this pandemic Mm -hmm. and it's another it's a rental it's another kind of fundraiser type screening canadian documentary it's the auto premiere and i think it's only been seen at a couple of film fests in vancouver so it's a real hot off the presses 
shot during these COVID times documentary. Wow, so that's, that's a pretty huge deal. Yeah, so that's one. And then the other one, a little bit lighter, is Real Rock 16. Oh, man. Which is a group that we presented in the past. I don't know if you've worked these in the past. I think I actually may not have. I think I lucked out and not been scheduled for them, but I do the aftermath where it's all like just bonkers because they always seem to sell out. Yeah, and so I'm curious how to do this year because like, for example, our Oscars usually sell out and this year we had 175 out of 325, so still very good. Mm -hmm. But we'll see what these guys do. It's four outdoors climbing films. This Real Rock Fest goes all over the place. I think all over, I was going to say North America, but possibly the world, to showcase various short documentaries from filmmakers who, it's that that stressful genre of climbing documentary where it's people (laughs) doing bonkers things and you just watch and you kind of think, well, I expect they're not going to show a snuff film, but you just feel that it's about to go horribly wrong. And it never does. They, They always succeed in their quest, but a very popular one night only or one afternoon only endeavor and i think they just basically are good at inviting every single climber in ottawa and everybody comes and they're all rock related rock climbing i mean yeah and it's all like here's some people climbing some waterfalls and here's some people climbing in a city and here's some people climbing the most dangerous desert mountain in the world and (laughs) jeez that's not i can't do those things (laughs) no Not only can I not do those things, I don't have an ambition to do those things. (laughs) Whereas Gwen does. Gwen and a few of her friends go indoor climbing and stuff like that. And a couple years ago, when we were in the Twin Cities in St. Paul, Minneapolis, we got to go to a museum because I happened to work on a gig with somebody from that museum, the St. Paul Science Museum, like a week before in Ottawa. So it was this random coincidence that it was like we're going to your city for vacation next week so we got the red carpet treatment at this museum and we got to go see this IMAX movie about climbing there's all these shots of people climbing and I could look at her and she looked so excited and I was like please please don't do that please (laughs) it's too much it's so stressful like her climbing inside is somewhat safety and everybody's professional and everything but I just imagine and I would never get dragged out I don't want to go out to a normal forest and sleep in a tent so i'm not going mountain climbing no i can't even get behind that i mean it's like yeah the idea of camping is fun but it's uh, then you're camping like i don't know it's a lot i always say it's like if you could go back in time and talk to a pioneer and be like and try to explain fridges and tvs and microwaves and heating and then go but people in my time still go out to the forest for fun and they'd be like what are you talking about like, <laughs> like that's insane yeah they don't even know about covid yet so i mean no. geez. <laughs> Okay, so then our regular films this week, we have a new Canadian documentary called Last of the Right Whales, nature documentary about saving whales from horrible human beings. Oh, that's good. We like whales. And I have read a few reviews, if you're concerned as I am, because I'm very squeamish (laughs) with these kind of documentaries. They said it is a call to arms, yet not a terrifying documentary. So I don't think we're seeing... They're saving the whales, but... It's not, you know, a PETA-esque documentary that might show... Because we've screened a couple of those, and they are all very worthy and all made by heroic folks wanting to change the world. And I'm a vegan, but I have problems watching that. Yeah, yeah. PG, CBC TV kind of whale documentary. Yeah, you might say it's not a cove vid. Whoa. Yes, yes. <laughs> you did it. Is that appropriate? I, I don't know. I <laughs> then we have two return 
Oscar-nominated films. Summer of Soul, the Oscar winner mm. for Best Documentary, is back. Uh, I like it when we bring back movies like this, because I have seen this movie now, so I can actually comment on it. I knew it was going to be good. It was so different than what I thought. For some reason, I thought it was going to be, you know, almost like Stop Making Sense, like a, a mm. concert documentary. It's so much more complicated than that. And at first, when it was nominated for Best Oscar, and I've seen some of the other nominees that are really, really important, world-changing, political kind of things... I was like, how did just a concert movie get nominated? Like, nothing against Questlove. He's amazing, but mm-hmm. it's just a concert. But actually, it just intertwines New York City in the 60s and race relations and African-Americans back then and black culture and music and racism and just everything that was happening during this time. And that this concert happened during Woodstock and during a moon landing and on the heels of the Kennedys being killed and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And so just this staggering chain of events leading to this concert that everybody forgot about because it happened at the same time at Woodstock and nobody wanted to buy another concert to put on TV. And it sat in someone's basement for nearly 50 years and then they made this movie. So it's it's really something else. And it just has a whole bunch of amazing lost musical performances in it as a cherry on top and it won a grammy last night for soundtrack or something like that so it just won two awards in the last week i think it's so funny that if you look at colbert and fallon so last year john baptiste colbert's band leader won an oscar for soul and this year he won a bunch of grammys for his album and then Questlove won an oscar and a grammy and he's in the root, so I think he might have already had another couple Grammys. Yeah, probably. So these band leaders aren't laying back on their day jobs. No, especially not him. I can't imagine crafting a film like that. Uh, that must be so time-consuming. Yeah, and that's what, like, my original misconception was it was still a lot of work, but he was basically assembling a concert and finding the good footage and finding the best sound. But no, he really made this snapshot of a time that, needs to be remembered and could have been forgotten about and just and the fact that stevie wonders at this concert all these performers are at this concert it's very interesting and and seeing it at the mayfair with our sound system it just sounds amazing so yeah highly recommended even though like many movies nowadays you can catch it on tv make that extra effort to see it on the big screen because it's just you just really get that feel of being amongst a crowd when you see it at a cinema versus watching it at home no matter how good your home entertainment system is well, and it may be the last time you ever get to see it in theaters. Yeah, for sure. And so then the other one we have coming back is The Worst Person in the World for a third week. It didn't win any Oscars, but it's won a bunch of other stuff. It was up for Best International Film. I really like this movie. It's very complicated. It's heartbreaking. It's laugh-out-loud funny. It has this central character who stumbles her way through life, and you're just kind of cheering for. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. And it's really complicated for what on the surface looks like a romantic dramedy. has a lot of cool camera stuff in it, and just a breakthrough performance from the, the central character who I'm sure we'll see more from in the future. Yeah, definitely. And then our new film this week, very excited, is Red Rocket. Oh, yeah. Which is from the director of Florida Project, which I loved, and Tangerine, which I super loved. And he's one of these directors with not a deep resume yet, but pretty much a perfect record. And I haven't seen Red Rocket yet, but from all accounts, that streak is going to continue. I saw it. Yeah, you said it had a good 
musical number in it. Yeah, yeah. There's an there's an in sync cover, piano cover, which I never thought is something I would be pointing out in a positive way. Nothing against in sync, of course, but it just it was not an expected thing. And then it just they use the song, the main song itself in the movie at different times, but there's a really nice female piano cover of it. And it's just it's just one of those things where you know, probably that you saw during Summer of Soul where you just sort of like stop and you, your jaw kind of drops a little bit and you're like, oh man, like that's amazing. So yeah, that's it's not something to, you know, it's not like that's the highlight of the movie and the movie <laughs> yeah. sucks beyond that, but it's like the movie's really good, but you know, the main guy is is a definite anti-hero and but you want him to succeed even though he's terrible. And so, yeah, like it's it was a very very engrossing watch, but yeah, that piano cover, I was like, "Damn, please be on YouTube." And it was. Yeah, what is it? Is it kind of like a I always try to avoid too much even though I have to write the blurbs for the website and stuff, but <laughs> It's kind of what like a like an anti-hero road trip movie sorta yeah it's kind of like yeah like a guy goes back home and is kind of struggling and trying to figure his life out I guess that's the easiest way to say it so it's like not it's not a comedy but you know there's some parts and it's it's just more like a drama of self-discovery kind of thing with an anti-hero maybe and I know he meets somebody in a donut shop which they said is kind of a plot point the filmmaker goes back to because in Tangerine there was a donut shop as well Oh, nice. And one of the interesting things, too, uh, about the movie is just like the stuff kind of they set the scene with the scenery and where it's shot and everything being very like industrial and very, you know, trains going by and, and smoke and electric grids and stuff like I, did, I think it's set in Texas. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, maybe. Yeah. So it's just, you know, like so it's that kind of atmosphere where you're just for me anyway, growing up in the country and looking at it, I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad that's not my life. But it's still like it really sets the scene. Yeah. And his movies. It's an interesting time for genre because we're watching Our Flag Means Death. Oh, yeah. Good show. The Taika Waititi joint. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so good. But it really defies genre because yeah. at first glance, you're like, okay, it's a it's a comedy about pirates. But then you're like, no, it has some really deep character moments. And then it has some big special effects. And then it has comedians. And then it is very strangely modern because it, it has a good kind of LGBT hint to it yeah not even hint like everybody on the show and i really love it but i think it's kind of like these movies like worst person and red rocket where once upon a time you're like oh that's a comedy that's a drama but now i think filmmakers are having more of an opportunity to just kind of tell stories without trying to put in extra jokes or take out extra jokes they're just kind of like yeah sometimes it'll be funny sometimes it won't be pig for example you know like there was definitely some comedic moments but definitely a drama and but you know you don't really know where it's going i wonder what video stores would look like now it's harder to kind of figure out where to put stuff yeah well it's you're almost just going by actors or actresses at that point where you're just sort of like well you know richard dreyfus is normally in dramas so just toss him in there yeah 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 and, and I don't know like, why that's my go-to. <laughs> but yeah, but I like that. I like that kind of things are a little bit more harder to, to box in. It's almost like, you know, like a Edgar Wright movies. Is Last Night in Soho a historical drama or a horror film or a thriller? Yeah. Or... yeah, I was wondering. A lot of people say horror and, and you don't even really get that vibe until, you know, midway through the movie. And you're like, ah, oh, okay, yes. But at that point, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I, that one's more of a, a drama. I was going to say a hard drama, but I, yeah, that, that's a tough one. But there's like, not to spoil anything, but there's supernatural elements in it. So it's like, mm -hmm. but no, I like that. Okay, so that is our movies for this week, April 8th through the 14th. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully 
possibly next time we'll be back in person face-to-face recording in the mayfair we'll see we'll see (laughs) (laughs) it's up to you in a way yeah like i said health-wise i feel completely normal now but just kind of the abundance of caution subtitle and everything now so just hiding inside for a couple more days and do another test and then see the way things work i'm lucky i'm not laying in bed feeling exhausted and feeling sickly i'm just like ah i'm angry i can't go see studio 666 that's what i'm gonna miss that's my torment but you can catch up on movies and tv at home i guess yeah there's never a shortage i was born for this i'm an indoor kid you'll be fine yeah so yeah thanks for listening everybody you can go to mayfairtheater.ca for updates and all the normal social media stuff we'll see you next week on the mayfair theater podcast and see you soon at the cinema for more awesome movies on the big screen Bye. Bye. Oh, three things happened today I forgot to mention. Yeah. Corman, Roger Corman turns 96. Happy birthday, Roger. Right. Ninth anniversary of Roger Ebert's death, who we mentioned earlier. Yes. And the ninth anniversary of my engagement, which was definitely a two thumbs up marriage. I think. <laughs> Just as Roger would have wanted. That's why I did it. Recently, 20th Century Fox had two very heavy ideas. First, make a film called Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Second, get Russ Meyer to write, produce, and direct it. You'll meet three girls, young, beautiful, talented. A tight trio that was the heart and soul of a rock group. Life was sweet, man, but not enough. The whole world was out there just waiting, and the beat inside pushed them to where it's happening. Hollywood, USA. Yeah, it happened all right. They got hooked on a non-stop merry-go-round where the only ticket you need is success. Be a winner, man, or forget it. When they made that first party, it was like too late. The whole thing was moving, reaching out, and they dug it. Whites, yellows, and reds were more than just colors, man. They were it, the magic dream pills. The chicks were wild and groovy. The studs were cool and cruel. The eyes so warm, the smile so friendly. But watch the teeth, they bite deep. Faces, so many faces, calling, begging. Help me, love me, save me. Don't listen. If you hear them, you've had it. Come on, open your mouth wider. Here, taste. Life, man, life. Like it? Hell no, tough. It's a one-way trip all the way down. <laughs> One little girl turns her back on truth and love. She'll have to make it with pain and eyes that cry rivers. The second finds her heart in the arms of another chick. Don't look for evil in your brother's eye. The third bird finds her man. It's good, very good, but she almost blew it before she learned that simple truth. The boys are here, too. One so sure that love was enough. It isn't. You gotta fight for it or it'll just get up and walk on out. Another cat's hungry. Bread and chicks make them pay. Love is free, but sex is don't look back you won't like the view and what about you man what's your thing you talk weird what do all those words mean who are you don't look at me man you're not real it's all here love murder dope grass abortion suicide something for everybody now hold it man don't close your mind this is what living is all about the people who make beyond the valley of the dolls come alive are the largest introduction of fresh young talent ever presented in a major motion picture Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is not a sequel. There's never been anything like it before. If you've been waiting for something new, waiting for a film to shake you into the freaked out, mind-blowing scene of right now, then come and see it, man, and find out why it's called Beyond the Valley of the Dolls from 20th Century Fox.